0: welcome this morning i hope you're okay I hope you're doing better if you're not then you should have come forward it's your fault not mine because <laughs> if you didn't come forward and you're already in a bad mood i'm probably gonna make things a little worse so i gave you a chance I'm kidding. I, I'm glad to see you here. I'm, I'm glad you're here with us this morning. If you're visiting, welcome. We're, we're glad you're here. And um, anything we can do to um, serve you, let us know. If you do have children and, and we do have a class back there, you can send them back if you want. You don't have to. You can keep them with you as well. Uh, quick, quick announcement. Um, tomorrow we're supposed to have home group here that's on as of now. If the weather gets really bad. Uh, we're going to cancel that. We don't want you guys driving on icy roads, okay? Uh, I know some of you are really brave and like, hey, I got this. It's like, but yeah, yeah I get it. I'm not that brave. Uh, I grew up in Texas where there was no ice. So I came up here and I'm like, hey, what is this stuff? I'm staying home. All right. So um, also, our home groups are going to eventually move in February to back to the homes, and we will have announcements on that. Can you throw that slide up, please, again? Um, Is that Jared? Yep, Jared. Uh, Let me explain this before you text. Um, If you're planning on attending home groups with any consistency, please have one person in your family, just one, text this home group to nine four zero zero zero. You will get a text that says, um, tonight you're going to this address. And because um, we're going to split it up, and it'll be random, so it'll be like Christmas. You never know who you're going to see, you know. And uh, so you'll get there and have a bunch of people there, and you're like, hey, how's it going? So if you're not going to come with any consistency on Sundays, please pay attention to announcements because we're going to have the addresses on the board to the home groups, right? So instead of you getting a text telling you where to go, we're going to leave it up to the honor system with you to just cycle through those addresses and just kind of go to one you haven't been to. Um, So that way you'll need to just pick an address on the board and say, hey, this is where we're going, and uh, show up and then fellowship and get to know people. Uh, We we do invite you to that because the church is more than just a Sunday morning experience. Do you understand that, right? Jesus never intended this to be a religion. He intended it to be an extension of family. And if you don't live life together, you're never going to know the people you see on Sunday. And if you don't know them, you're never going to get a heart for their life. You're never going to get a heart for their, what they're going through. And it's going to be really tough for you to pray accordingly. Because prayers that move you move God. If they don't move you, they're probably not going to move the Lord. Because he's not here to dictate us. He says, you ask of me. And if we don't get a heart for people, we're never going to have a posture of intercession. It's true. When you begin to love somebody and you begin to know them and you begin to understand the struggles of their life and the difficulties that they're going through, then eventually when you realize that so-and-so's sick or so-and-so's going through a rough time, it's a little easier to get on your face. And they need that. They don't need you to forget their name. They need you to be there for them when they need it. Because everybody's going to need somebody at some point. you realize that? So this is what we do. This isn't church. It's a gathering of Christians, of people who love God. The church is a family. And so we invite you to come be a part of that. Uh, You don't have to be. We have a lot of people who are just, they're okay with them doing what they do, and we're good with that. We don't demand or or look down on anybody else, but we are inviting you to come be a part of that if you want to. Uh, Seems like I was going to announce something else. I don't remember. Okay, must not be important. Okay, let me please. It's been a minute since we've been up here. Uh, I've been up here anyway, so we're alternating. Uh, Tyler, you got did a great job last week. Everybody, how many of you enjoyed that? It was really good. Um, and then we had um, Brother Chico here. How many of you guys were here and enjoyed that? It was good. Yeah. So now you get me again. I'm sorry. I apologize, but this is just the way things work here. Until it changes, you can pray harder for it to change if you don't like it. And uh, until then, yeah. Let me give a disclaimer. We are going verse by verse through Ephesians, and we are in chapter 5. If you're visiting here, especially if you're a woman, please do not think that I custom-made this sermon for you. You just happened to show up on the right day. (laughs) Man, you're going to get it too. (laughs) Oh my goodness, such a touchy subject because it's been abused. We're talking about the power of submission. We got to Ephesians 5, where Paul speaks of the family order and wives submit to your husbands. Let me just say this right off the bat. I'm going to get some disclaimers here, but if if you read the Word of God and you read that scripture as a woman and something inside of you cringes and turns upside down, you're the one that has the problem. I realize there's abuse. My disclaimer is this, you never submit to abuse, ever. Religious abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, you never submit to that. That is not what Jesus is talking about in those verses, okay? So because, the, because submission has been abused by all of those circumstances and all those manipulations, it doesn't take the truth away from the reality of the Scripture, Just because someone abuses a truth doesn't make that truth untrue. And it doesn't give you the right or me the right to not be able to do it. Because abuse happens on both sides of relationships because people are selfish. I didn't get any amens on that one. I'm surprised. It was generic. I wasn't pointing at anybody. All right, so we're going to work harder for for that. You guys with me? (laughs) Okay. Please understand, as I'm going through what I'm going through today, in no way, shape, fashion, or form am I telling anybody in here that you should submit to an abusive situation, okay? Personally, I do not condone divorce. divorce. My solution for you, if you're in an abusive situation, get out. Pray that God changes your spouse. And then when he does, it may take a lot of time, then be rejoined. That's the scripture. That's the Bible. That's what the scriptures say. If you're not married and you're in an abusive situation, Leave. Don't come back. It's so weird to us as men because even psychologists will tell you that a woman will go back to an abusive situation ten times before she finally leaves. It's weird that they don't want to submit, yet they go back and submit to abuse. It's strange to me as a man that women don't want to submit to a godly man even though he's wrong in a few areas of life, but they'll submit to an abuser. Men don't understand that. It's really quiet in here. We don't get it. We're like, just go. That's not right. Why are you going back? But then I sit in the office a lot of times with people who are in abusive situations, they keep going back, and they keep going back, and they keep going back, and they keep submitting to it, and we're just kind of like, I don't, I don't understand. This is not the order of God. You, are you ladies with me so far? Okay, maybe I should start with a joke. How's that sound? <laughs> you know what? I, I was actually looking for a joke for this series, and, and I, I refrained from telling the one I wanted to tell last time because I just didn't think we were mature enough to handle it. <laughs> but as I was going through most of the marriage jokes, you know, um, I, I realized that most of them are angled toward men. And I, and I realized that because I realized that a lot of times when you tell a joke about a man, they laugh. They think it's hilarious. And women laugh, too. They think it's really hilarious. But if you tell a joke about a woman, the men still laugh, and then they get in trouble. Yeah. Let me give you an example, right? What's the difference between a boyfriend and a husband? 50 pounds. Imagine flipping that around. See, so all the marriage jokes are about men because we can laugh about ourselves, but women are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that about me. You know, a good woman will forgive her husband when she's wrong. See, I mean, come on. All right, never mind. All right, let me see this here. Um, you know why it's so funny is because we, we're, we're meant to draw out both the good and the bad in each other. Imagine if men never got married, they would, they would think that there's nothing wrong with them for their whole life. We would. We'd be like, yeah, I'm good, man. You know, one of the jokes I read said, the uh, wife was talking. She said, I gave my husband the silent treatment for a week. And after that, he came up and said, honey, you know, we've been getting along really well. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'll stop. I'm sorry. We've got to get spiritual now. Somebody in here is going to get mad because I didn't read a Bible verse. <sighs> you know, what we're doing here, guys, is we're trying to figure out Paul's mind on Ephesians. Because there's an agenda here that God has. We can't get to spiritual warfare until we deal with relationships. Because if you have improper relationships, your spiritual warfare is not going to work. It's funny to me, we want to go out and create ministries and start, you know, getting. Addicts delivered and homeless people saved and all that. And I'm not against that stuff. That's great. But if we can't deal with the spiritual warfare over our marriage, where we're closest and where the power is the, the most real and the, the authenticity is there, if we can't be men and women of righteousness there, then what are we doing out there? I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but I'm saying why are we neglecting what, what is at home? And there's a reason why Paul addresses marriage before he gets into spiritual warfare. Because if you go in broken, you're not going to be as strong as you need to be. Because bottom line, regardless of whether you like it or not, we need each other. There is no way men can do this without women. And there is no way women can do this without men. It's impossible. And I know it's been abused, and I know the culture we live in is a very feministic culture, a very sexist culture. And if men do anything to take into their place, then they're they're whatever they're called. But we've got to leave space for each other. And the beautiful marriage will will begin to come to pass when both people are not demanding their way. Both people are willing to acquiesce to one another. Right? (laughs) Marriage is where we become one. The problem is is who's deciding which one, right? It's both. It's always both. So uh, I want to read this. Uh, we, we, we looked at 22 wives. Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. If you haven't heard the last message I preached on this, it's online. And I, 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 I adjure you to go listen to it so you can have some context of what I'm dealing with today. Okay? Um, like I said, abuse, no. Your husband asks you to do something Ill- illegal, immoral, unethical. No, you don't have to do that. You have a right, actually, to say no. You have a right to say, I'm not doing that. And I will not do that. Um, No matter what problems it causes. Okay? But what we're talking about is the ideal God-sized marriage where where both parties are in love with God. They're not perfect, but they're not asking each other to do things that are against the law and the morality of, of Jesus. You with me? That's the context we're talking about. Marriages that are completely destroyed and jacked and messed up, religious marriages, carnal marriages, those are a different topic, different sermon. would be happy to meet with you on those, on your individual issues, and try to help walk with you through those, because some of that is very complicated. It's very complicated. It's hard sometimes, and you need somebody to walk with you. We're here for that. But, but what we're talking about is Paul's idea, Jesus' idea of what God meant a marriage to be. And it is true that, that uh, marriage is, is something that the Lord established. And the reason why he established it in two different parties is because it takes both willingly coming together to become one. Adam really didn't have a choice on being unified with himself before he was split in two. Because Adam was created in the image of God and God is both male and female. He has feminine attributes, he has male attributes, the same way Adam was in the beginning. And God took one part of that and separated it. And the reason that is, is because if it comes together in unity, it's because it only happened the way God intends for it to happen, because it can't happen any other way. So if God sees a unified marriage, he knows his his rules, his laws, his order, his love has been established. It's just a byproduct. He sees it. It's the testimony of of a godly life. And the last time we talked about this, we, we went through some of the fall in Genesis 3, what women deal with, why fear is such an issue for women, uh, why what they see is so hard for them to understand, and, and, and they freak out over a lot of things. And I say that in a nice way. They mean well, but women are seers. They just are. Women have an intuition, they call it that in the, in the secular world. It's a seeing ability that God gave them, it's from the Lord, but it can be manipulated. Both parties have strengths that are their greatest weaknesses, which is why we need the other. We need each other. Women have an understanding. They have an ability to feel things out. And we need that, but we don't need it abused. We don't need it forced and manipulated. We don't need the nagging thing. That doesn't help. I'll get to the men later. Men's job, your job is to create an atmosphere where women are safe, they feel safe. And So that trust can come. But both parties have to do their, their job. But I want to touch on it. I'm not going to deal with so much the, the, the female side today. I'm going to carry that on the next time I preach. But, but what I want to talk about today is the generic submission reality. Because I, as I said last time I spoke on this, women, you, your job, part of your job is to show us men what it is to be the bride of Christ. We need to be shown how to be that to Jesus. And every time you serve, every time you love, every time you step out and you do what God's telling you to do, the way God's showing you to do it, in your, your strength and your capacity, you're teaching us how to be that bride to Christ. You are the testimony of God in the earth, of what the church is supposed to be. It's funny to me that, you know, women feel like there's so much underneath men or whatever biblically, and that's not even the point at all. God chose you as his representative to teach all of humanity what it is to be the bride. What that's a, That is a powerful place in God. We talked about, the last time we talked about this, that a wise woman builds her house and a foolish one tears it down with her hands. It doesn't say anything about a man building a house. See, I spoke on this. It's it's a man's job to protect what a woman builds. You have the capacity to build. We're going to go through Proverbs 31. We're going to go through those things and show you what it is to be a biblical woman. But we've got to get rid of the stuff that gets in the way that causes the division in the home. Because if homes divided, spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6 cannot come. If we can't properly fight as the church, then we're going to fight with the church. And that's all we ended up doing in the last... 60, 70 years, it seems like. You, you with me? The power of submission is something that happens to everybody, it's not just women. God chose you to show us how to do it. You're like, I don't like that. Let me, let me, I've said this before. Um, I thank God for my wife. I don't think there's anybody else that could tolerate living with me. I really do. I mean, you would not like me as a person if you lived with me. I'm not mean, but I'm not like, I don't, I don't play games. I, I'm just who I am. She's so gracious, and I'm a fighter. That's what God made me to be, and it's also one of my greatest weaknesses. And so if my wife comes to me hard, she, it's not going to go well. I'm not going to abuse her, I'm not going to scream and yell, but I'm just going to look at her and say, you keep going, we're going to keep going this way, you ain't going to stop me. You either support me or move. And that's the way God made me, because I'm a leader, and I'm, I'm able to deal with a lot. And when my wife comes at me hard, it never goes well. We don't fight, but she just doesn't win, because I won't, I won't move. That's just the way God made me. I'm a bulldog. I latch on. I will not let go. I don't care how big and bad. I don't I don't care just the way God made me. I've got to find that and temper that. But nonetheless, here's the, th- here's the point of the story is that we, we had a disagreement. And it wasn't a huge disagreement many, 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 many years ago. It was something minor. But you know how those minor things can have the potential to turn major? <laughs> it was something small. And... Uh, and she disagreed with the way I, w- I wanted to go on it. And it wasn't an immoral issue. It wasn't anything like that. It was I don't remember what it was. And I said, look, I, I think this is the way we, we need to approach this. And she said, no. And she started kind of getting riled up. Well, that got me riled up. Let me you know that's how it works. <laughs> if you deal with a strong man, you rile him up, it's probably not going to go well. Most men don't get riled up because the society has beat them down to the point where they just say, yes, dear, and move on. I'm not that guy. Sorry. Those yes, dear jokes aren't funny to me because that doesn't work in my home. But she started pushing on me, and I started burning up, and I started kind of like, I'm like, oh, no, this is, you push me. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And finally it got a little tense, you know, and, 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 and she stops, and she said, you know, She said, uh, I trust the Lord in you. And I don't agree, but if this fails, we'll fail in it together. And I'll follow you through this. You know what that did instantly to my tenacious warrior attitude? I submitted. I took a step back. Here's why because I thought, I don't want to leave my family wrong. I don't want to cause this thing to fail. And so I took a step back, and I was willing to look at both sides. And what changed the scenario? It was her submission to me that changed my heart. You want your husband to change? I'm not talking about illegal, immoral, unethical. You serve your husband. And if he has a heart for God, it will soften when you submit. And I backed off. It changed my heart, and it changed hers. She's the one that built the house that day. Does this make sense? This is what we need to do with Jesus. Jesus has his way that we should go. And many times, men and women alike... We've got a different idea. Our job is to what? As the bride, I'm not talking about women anymore. I'm talking about the church who is the bride of Christ. Our job is to what? Is that true or not? Yeah, it's true. We need submission. Go back one verse. See, many people read this verse and use it as an excuse to not do the second one. I've heard ladies say oh no we're supposed to submit to one another as unto the Lord which means I don't have to submit to my husband wrong if you didn't have to submit to your husband verse 22 would not be in there however this verse is the corporate idea of submission we need to submit one to another Do you realize that you have gifts in here that I have no access to? Like you have a gift in your life that I do not have. And if that gift is going to prosper and lead in a scenario that we need it in, I have to submit to that gift. Even if I disagree. As a pastor. Because my job is not to be a dictator. My job is to be a facilitator of God's ways in people. To make room for God in His gifts that He's given others, and submission is an indication that we disagree. In fact, like I said a couple weeks ago, submission isn't submission until you disagree. Yeah, we like that one. No, Amen's. I don't know. I'll start with. I mean, we read another joke. I mean, it's well, <laughs> true, guys. I mean, like you know, we use the idea that you know, like, hey, kids, we're going to Disney World, and you know, the kids are like, I don't want to go. You know, it's not going to be the case. You know, like, oh, yay. Yeah. Are they submitting? No, they're not submitting. I already want to do it anyway. It's not submission. See, for for men to submit to an attribute in their wives, which you do have to do, you have to listen, and sometimes you've got to submit to those things that they they hear from the Lord. But for men to do that, they've got to disagree. And for women to do the same, they have to what? Disagree. Do you know what makes submission hard? We touched on this briefly. Knowledge. somehow you think from the facts that you know and understand that those knowledge-based realities alleviate you from submission. You remember that tree we ate from a long time ago? The tree of the what? There you go. And we still want to eat from that tree and based because our husbands are doing something wrong, they're not perfect, and that we don't want to submit because of what's wrong in them. Well, let me tell you this. you got a problem there because Jesus submitted to your sin and your death when he totally disagreed and you were wrong. It wasn't his sin he carried. It was yours. And he disagreed with your opinion, your theology, your lifestyle, your arrogance, your pride, your lust, your greed your selfishness, and he took it all upon himself in a submissive role as the role of a female in Gethsemane. Let's turn there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Maybe time to get there. Let me, let me say this, there is no marriage in heaven. But what we are in heaven, what we become in heaven, what we will be in heaven, is often determined, determined by what happens in our marriage. Your marriage is the single most valuable case that God can use, the resource that God can use to make you into his, the image of his son. Most marriages fail because they're looking at how the other one should change. I got a couple of head nods. That's better. If my husband would just... Ladies, when in reality, if they actually did what that was, you'd just raise the bar. You would My husband never makes me breakfast in bed, so let's say he starts doing that. Wow. And let's say he does it for a long time, and then one day he's having a bad week or a bad month, and he doesn't make you breakfast in bed for a month. You know what your first thought is? You don't love me anymore. Why aren't you doing this? What's wrong with you? And then if it's breakfast in bed, it's something else. It's the, well, the, you, But you never help with the dishes, or you never do this, or you never do that. And if they start doing it, you're just going to keep raising the standard. Why? Because that's human nature. See, a good marriage... Operates like this. You love people as they are where they are. Just like Jesus. As they are where they are. You don't look at what they should be doing. You always look at what you should be doing. And if both parties do that, it will operate well. And if they don't, Christ will be formed in you. Either way... You win. See, marriage is not about you getting the other party to change. It's about glorifying God. See, because if you're looking at your other spouse to change, your marriage is selfish. It's about you. It's about what you want. And marriage isn't for you. It's for him. It's a representation of him. Jesus even talks about this. Paul expounds it later on. He says he gives all this list of things that we're supposed to do. And he says, but I speak as concerning Christ in the church. So Paul flips the marriage issue, and he says, all of this I said that happens to be about marriage on the earth is a spiritual indicator of what God has planned for his representative of humanity. We are one with him. This is why the two shall become one flesh, which is why marriage is so difficult. Your wife can move you like nobody else. There you go. Husbands, yeah, you're going to get in trouble for that later. Let me me fix it. Your husband can move you like no one else. (laughs) My wife said amen. Okay. (laughs) That's so funny. Submission is a seed that you sow that produces a harvest later on. See, a woman, if she submits, a person, if they submit, a husband, if they submit, especially to pastoral counsel or whatever it might be in their life, Somebody who submits they want to see they want to see things happen right away like i i i washed your feet now you do, you owe me a response No they don't If service is given with an expectation the service is selfish Because then you're just a manipulator You're doing it to them so they'll treat you better. Uh, Am I making sense this morning? So this is a spiritual issue. How how many of you guys realize that the, the, the little arguments, the small things, the hardships, the difficulties in your marriage are the things that are almost the greatest moving capacities that God can use to make you like his son? Did you make it to Matthew 26? Did I tell you what verse? Okay, that was unanimous. 36. Guys, let me give you a hint. If a woman's not submitting, it's usually because of an overgrown sense of distrust and fear. So if you expect, now listen, ladies, there's no, no man should ever come up to you, you've got to submit to me, because if that's stupid, that's dumb. If, if somebody has to ask for submission, they haven't created the environment for it. Because true biblical submission is voluntary. It's not forced. It has to be voluntary. Which means you can't demand anyone do it. The same way a pastor can't demand you submit to the church. But it's biblical. You should. But because it's been abused, people don't. So it's a real tough topic to preach on. Especially when you're the pastor of the church. (laughs) So Let's bring a guest speaker in to talk about it. That's safer. So in many cases, not all, there's some manipulative women, there are, but in many cases, a woman won't submit uh, many times because there's not an environment of love. Okay? And ladies, you can understand that submission to a man is not submission to a man, it's submission to God. But it's submission to God through a man. Because that's how God works. Men, when you submit to your wives, it's not submitting to your wives, it's submitting to God through your wife. Church, when you're submitting to authority, it's not you submitting to the authority. It's submitting to God through the authority. That's how it works. I, 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 I get confused sometimes in my head when we don't understand these principles because we don't like it in the church atmosphere. We don't like it in the marriage atmosphere, but we demand it over our children. I'm not going to submit to that, pastor, and I'm not going to submit to my husband. I'm not going to submit to my wife. But, kids, you're going to do what I say. Okay. Because we know that God moves through authority. Parents, male, female. How many times has God spoken to you, through you, to you, for your kids? How many times have you made a decision that kept them from disaster? How many times have you kept them safe? How many times have you counseled them? How many times did you know the Lord was speaking through you to them? It was the voice of God. Yet we will not allow that to return to us. We're only okay if it's coming out of our mouth, never into our ear. So we demand submission from everybody, but we give it to hardly anyone. Men are terrible with that. Because they feel like because they're the head of their home, they have to submit to nobody. That's dumb. Submit to one another, the Bible says. Men want to carry everything on their shoulders and never let anything out because they've been told that to be a man you've got to be tough and you've got to be strong and you show no emotion, and that's dumb. And they don't want to see, be seen as weak. When Jesus says, When you are weak. See, we know the answer. We're just not able to make it come to an incarnate reality because of pride. See, the thing that women deal with is fear, the thing that men deal with is pride. You put those two together, it's dangerous. Men need the affirmation to lower the pride. Women need the love to exit the fear. What's the Bible say? Cast out fear? pure love. It doesn't say deliverance. I love it when I see deliverance ministers trying to cast out fear. I'm like, you're an idiot. (laughs) Have you not read your Bible? The only thing that casts out fear is love. The reason, it, it, the reason fear doesn't get cast out like other devils is because fear is there by choice. It's an invited reality. You hold on to it willingly. And it can't be cast out because it's directly tied to the human will. But love, when it comes, it unties that tentacle and lets people make them let go inside. And then the love pushes that thing away. Now, we'll get to that part and ladies, you'll have your chance on other issues too. But man, I've dealt with you a little bit. I'll deal with you some more. But love is not something that you get to decide what it is either, ladies. Well, you're supposed to love me. What does that mean? Because if you ask 40 people what love is, you're going to get 75 answers. Love is not something you predetermine. Love is a person, not an action. And if you define love by actions, you're going to miss the person. Because in reality, many times men are trying to love their wives the best they can. And it's just not good enough, which causes them to have to grab onto more pride to make themselves feel valuable. And so a woman ends up actually burning her man by causing him to have to give in to what her definition of love is and then it's never good enough for him because he can never fit that definition because it's a manipulated form of God. When we try to redefine love, we're making a molten image into whatever thing we want to create, the same way the Israelites did. See, love is a person who showed himself in the act of service. So wives, find the areas that your husband is trying to serve you. And thank him for it. And then let God move on the other areas of his life where he's not. The chances are good you're not gonna, God's not going to let you be his Holy Spirit. He'll let you be his helpmate. But your not, job is not to convict your husband. We don't take it well. You with me? So let's look at this. Jesus goes to Gethsemane. I want to walk you through the next few verses on a a model of submission and what it did to the world and how our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth showed us what it was like to submit. Because let's, let's lay the context. He is the groom. He just got done proposing to his bride at the communion supper. He went through an act of proposal in Hebraic understanding. He asked her to marry him. To be one with him. To eat his flesh. Why? Why? Because they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it ruined them. So now he says, I'm offering you to eat of me that will heal everything that you ate in the past that ruined you. Everything Jesus did from the Last Supper up until his his death was a reformation of what happened at the beginning, it was a reconciliation, it was a bringing back to what God intended. These last few moments of Christ's life was the ultimate reckoning of bringing everything back into order. All of humanity fixed and made right if they would just choose Him. The power in which He's fixing to operate here is, is, is world changing. Eternal changing. And we would think that if this moment is going to change so many things, if we didn't know the end of the story, and someone told you that the things that Jesus is about to do is going to change the entire world, we would think he's going to grab a sword and start lopping off heads. But what does he do? He goes back to the place where we fell, which was in a garden. And he takes a feminine role, the same role Eve did not take in the beginning because in the beginning most both both parties were supposed to they were equal physically they were equal and both parties were supposed to submit to one another but when eve did what she did the consequence of that was a physical demotion not a spiritual one a fleshly demotion Thank God we're going to lose the flesh. Thank God in Christ there's no male or female. Thank God that when we get there, we're going to be sexless. Thank God for all those things. But while we're in the flesh, there was a demotion because was the first one that chose not to submit. She was the first one to choose to see something. And so Jesus takes her role on. The groom took on the role of the bride. And submitted to your sin. Every foul word, every horrible thought, every selfish thing, every sin, every demonically possessed thing you ever did, he took it upon himself. And he disagreed with you because it's not submission until you. He carried the weight of your rebellion, of your arrogance, of your poor, wrecked theology. And he was the one that was innocent. Ladies, how hard is it sometimes to submit whenever you're the one that's innocent? See, what we do though, is we start blaming the one we're suffering for when Jesus did not do that to you. So ladies, you gotta ask yourself, Do I want to be like me or do I want to be like Jesus? Because am I going to tell you that when you submit it's going to be easy? No, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do. The devil is going to tell you where you're right and he's wrong. He's going to show you every fear. He's going to show you everything that could possibly go wrong. He's going to show you everything of the scenario that makes you feel like it's unsafe and untrustworthy. But the problem is now is you've taken your eyes off of your father and you've put them on a man who you don't believe has access to the father. Verse 36, Then came Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. That word means the press. It's a place... In the Braic understanding where they would take olives and they would crush them. And what was inside would come out. It's funny that when we have to come into a submission, both male and female, when you disagree and you're in Gethsemane, what's inside you comes out. See, it's easy to be a good Christian on Sunday and home group and all that type of stuff, but whenever you're put into a tense situation with community, let's let's switch it now from from women to men to all of us in that role of submission. And somebody irritates or aggravates you, you know what's inside of you? That's who you really are. Your mask comes off and God uses the submission or the lack thereof to reveal you to yourself. And guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, that is your personal responsibility. And if you don't deal with it, everybody else will suffer. Because even if you're right, factually and by knowledge, or even I heard the Lord, and you use that to tear something down, you are so wrong. You know, I think it's funny that Jesus never brings division to his own house. He said division would come, but he said it would come to those who don't believe. He never brings division to his own house. So I think it's funny sometimes when people say, I heard God, and, when the, and, the, and this God they heard is causing all this division in their home. As a pastor, I'm like, no, you didn't hear God. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. What you're standing on right now is destroying your house. God does not divide his house. He hates divorce. He hates division. He hates division between man and woman. He longs for unity. He longs for love. He longs for peace. He longs for us to demonstrate who he is. And we've made it about who's right and who's wrong in business decisions and marriages and fights and arguments. And Jesus here knows who's wrong, but it doesn't stop his love. Ladies, if you think that submission, that that, that being someone being wrong releases you from submission, you don't know what love is. Because Jesus disagreed with you. Now, again, I'm not saying submit to abuse even though Jesus did. I'm not saying that. I counsel women all the time, get out of abusive relationship. Get out. Then we got to deal with you about why you were attracted to that person in the first place because it's in you. Cuz many times you choose the same type of guy, just a different face. He came to pray, and he said, sit here while while I go pray. So he goes off, and I want to say that submission in an environment that has sin at its center, male or female, you must follow the process and the pattern of Christ. The process usually puts you where you're alone and isolated. And you feel alone and isolated. How many ladies like that place? Nobody likes that place. Jesus didn't like that place. How do we know that? Because the next verse, he took some people with him. Because the thing when you're going through suffering and submission, the thing you want the most is companionship. But it's the thing you don't get. And Jesus didn't get it either. Are you seeing this? This environment is where fear and trust grow. Which one is determined by you? When you're put in a, in a situation of, of isolation where you feel like you're going through this on your own, you're by yourself. My husband isn't helping me. He's not there for me. In that place of isolation, fear and trust grow. Which one is determined by you? If you're looking at the man who's disappointing you, whether male or female, then trust will not grow. Because trust sees that the Father is able to use even the enemy to bring about salvation. Trust knows that the Father can use Judas to bring about the salvation of the world. Trust knows that God can take sin and bring people to the feet of Jesus with it. Knowledge says you better get right because I'm right and you're going to get on my page. And that actually is narcissistic and controlling. There's no power in knowledge. The Bible says knowledge what? Puffs up. Makes you feel like you're right and everybody else is wrong. I love it when I see these random arguments on the internet where somebody proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the other person's being a hypocrite. I'm like, well, congratulations, you just found two of yourself, right? Everybody's a hypocrite. Like, just because you managed to point his out in this situation, that doesn't mean it releases you from your own. Like, you're an idiot. You're totally blind. Like, you think you won that argument. No, you just showed how stupid you are. Because in some area of your life, you're just as much of a hypocrite. Why well, showed him, <laughs> you just showed yourself. You really did. You showed your inability to love. You showed your inability to be like Jesus. You showed your inability to to bring peace as a son of God, both male and female. So he took with him, verse 37, Peter Two others, the sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Guys, let me tell you something. Whether you're a male or female, when submission comes to your life, whether it's church leadership, your boss, people say, oh, I'm not submit. You've got to submit everywhere in the natural world. We don't, when we feel like just because we have a God that we don't have to submit in this Christian world, it just blows my mind. It's like, As soon as people get saved, it's like, oh, you know, I don't need people anymore because I have Jesus. No, Jesus is actually the exact opposite. He tells you that when you get saved, you can't worship me. If you've got a problem with your brother, I won't let you come and worship me. You're going to go fix that first. Jesus puts so much emphasis on the horizontal. And we take a few small things that he says and make it all about that soupy spiritual stuff out there when the gospel's really practical. How you treat people is how you treat God. How you treat your husband is how you treat God. How you treat your wife is how you treat God. That's the truth. And if you're bickering and arguing and Demeaning your husband all the time, that is what you're doing to your father while saying, I love Jesus. No, you don't. You have an affinity to him based upon the touches he's given you in his life, but love is willing to be wounded. You will not have a marriage that is safe from wounds. You will not have relationships that are safe from wounds. In fact, God does his greatest work when he allows the people closest to you to wound you. When Peter denied Jesus, it was a cut to his heart, but when he looked at him, Peter fell apart. Why? Because Jesus didn't look at Peter with disdain and disregard. He looked at him with love. When Peter looked over and saw that man and the eyes of love looking at him, even after he denied him, he saw, Peter, I love you. It broke his heart because love is willing to be wounded. And If you're trying to create a sterile relationship where your man doesn't hurt you anymore, I've got news for you and vice versa. God allows these hardships and trials in our life through marriage and close relationships and church reality to show us where we are not in love with him by not being in love with his people. Do you realize, do you realize that that the Bible speaks more on gossip than it does on other sins? Why? Because gossip is a sin against your brother. He hates it. He hates division. He hates disunity. He hates it. He hates it. What father or mother in here wants to see their kids hating each other? Yet we're entitled because we have a relationship with the father to have this discrepancy against one another. I'm not going to sit on that road because I don't even like that guy. Well, God loves him. And if you stop just for a second, if we would stop just for a second and take ourselves out of this ultra-spiritual reality and realize we're nothing but children in the house of God, and you don't have a right to divide God's house with your knowledge and with your opinions, things would actually get better because we would begin to understand that God works through these hard things. And the only reason I'm upset about it is because there's a place inside of me that doesn't trust my Father. So everything that someone does wrong in my life or to me, and it affects me in a wrong way, I've realized the only person I can change is me. And I ask my God, why do I feel so bad about this? Like, why is this really getting to me? It's just because you're not healed. Because if you were healed it would move you just as much as it moved my son when he was there after his betrayal. It didn't move him at all. See, in our mind, we would think that what Peter did would justify our not dying for him. Yeah? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, if Peter wouldn't have done that, I would have went to the cross for him. But because he treated me like that, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have anything to do with him. Because I'm justified in my pain. Are you? See, sin in us or in others is a heavy burden due to knowledge, right? You ever have a fine marriage and everything going great until all of a sudden you find out something? And what you found out was two years old, but those two years was great. Yet you found out about it. Now all of a sudden everything's wrecked. And the problem was there the entire time. The only reason it changed is because you knew about it. You were happy with the problem being there, being concealed. Knowledge. Knowledge brings death. Women are very susceptible to knowledge. Extremely. It's part of the fall. The devil manipulated you. He took your God-given ability to see to know, to feel. And he used it against you. It's your job not to keep letting him do it. Because it's a powerful gift, but it has to have a harness. So he took Peter. See, the tree of knowledge needs to no longer be eaten from, but be hung upon. Jesus knows that it's your sin. He knows it's your evil. He knows. But he's still willing to hang on it. <sighs> How many of you are willing to do that for somebody else? To know that you're the innocent one? Am I going anyway? Why? They don't even deserve you. No, but God does. God deserves me to be in the position that Jesus would be in. Is it hard? Oh, it's so hard. Is it emotional? It's so emotional. Is it difficult? Man, it's terrible. But is it forever? No, because submission is a seed. And if you plant it, life will grow. Jesus wants companionship here. He took Peter and James and John. What's the next verse? He said, my soul is sorrowful even to death. You know what was weighing on him? Please, please don't let the teeth be pulled out of this. Your sin. Every terrible thing you've done began to weigh upon that man. And he did not blame me once for what I put on him. So why do we blame each other? Because we're not like Jesus. But we say we love him. He just wanted a friend. He just wanted his bride with him. He wanted her to come through it with him. Go come walk with this through this with me. She was too tired. She's too concerned about her own stuff. It feels that way, huh? Ladies, when you're going through that and your husband's not there for you, he's too concerned with his own things. Understand that that's always a two-way street. You're just blind to it because of your own personal reality. Men have those same thoughts, they just don't ever tell you. Jesus just wanted a friend, stay and watch with me. I'm about to bear everything of yours for you. Just stay and watch with me just for a second. I mean, this is for you. At least be with me through it. They won't. They can't. See, Jesus, the difference between him and us is that he knows, he knows that we can't. We expect each other to be able to. No, ladies, if your husband hasn't done what you want him to do, it's because he can't. And until God changes his heart, he won't. Men, if your wife is not what you want her to be, it's because she can't. And she's not going to be able to do that until God changes her heart. The idea is that one person, or preferably both, creates the environment for God to do that. That by one person's submission, the other is made righteous. Isn't that what we're watching here? One man's submission on behalf of what he was not guilty in changed both of them. The power of submission. You got a pastor you disagree with? You're not gonna change his mind by hitting him in the head. Most pastors, God raises them up to not move. They just they're strong people. And in their mind, you know what they're saying is like, Well, if God wanted you to be the pastor of this church, he would have ordained it. So if your ideas are that great, maybe you should change your angle. I never asked to be up here. I didn't want it. It's the last job I wanted on the planet. Never, never did I want to be a pastor. It was always something else evangelist. Those guys haven't made, man. Like they can go in, preach at a church, upset everything, and leave. It's like, dang, man. I know I missed my calling. <clears throat> If you have a problem with a leader, you don't come in the posture of Jesus, chances are really good you're not gonna change anything that's happening in that body. It's not gonna happen. Well, I disagree. Yeah, they probably disagree with you. Why well, theology is better? That's because you're arrogant. We're all wrong. You haven't figured that out yet, you don't need to lead. I think a lot of people are going to get there, and Jesus is going to look at their precious little theology and thump them in the back of the head and go, you know, I tolerated that for a long time, but I'm not doing it anymore. I'm pretty sure he's going to say that to me. See, inner emotion is powerful when submission requires you to walk like Christ. Because when you're in this position, the devil is going to show you what's not being done instead of what is being done. When you're in the posture of, 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 of submission, male or female, the enemy's always gonna show you the weight you're carrying of somebody else. And he's gonna hide from you the why of, your, of why you're carrying it. Because if he can hide the why and why you're carrying what you're carrying, then you will abort what you're carrying and it will never come to fruition. The Bible says that the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He went through these moments not because it's just something that God's sadistic in and he wants people to carry hard things. He went through this moment because he knows that submission is a seed. And he saw the tree of life on the other side of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he knew that he alone had the power to transform the tree of knowledge into the tree of life. And he and he alone. And he was willing to do it for his bride and husbands if you're not willing to do that for your wife you're not walking like Christ and wives if you're not willing to do that with your husband you're not walking like Christ but nonetheless both of us have the ability to transform the knowledge that comes of sin into life by submission he went a little farther this just really hurts my heart <laughs> to see God, the author of all life, joy, peace, put himself in our condition and have to suffer the things he suffered. I mean, it's a, my mind works differently. Like Jesus, I, I know this may sound a little harsh, but God, you realize how humiliating it is to go to the bathroom? Like it's normal for us, but God never had to do that before he came here. never had to wipe his own filth he was pure and holy and existed in all righteousness the bliss and the wonder and the glory of heaven was his home no stress no peace, no lack of peace and Jesus walks a little farther and he falls on his face this is God this is the master of the universe who's right in everything. He's not in sin. But he's the victim of it. He falls on his face. And he says, Father, if it's possible. If you don't think your sin is bad, let me say it this way. It was so bad he tried to get out of it. It was so bad he tried to get out of drinking it. He did not want to take that vile stuff into himself. His Adamic nature was coming out the human side. He did not want to drink your life. Your thoughts. Your negativity. Your self-hate and your selfishness and rejection he did not want to drink that cup because when you're in submission you never want to you're not going to have this butterfly moment where you're so happy to bear one another's burdens in christ and so fulfill the law of the lord it will not be a mountaintop reality for you you will suffer The Adamic nature begs to be released from submission. Because it's not wrong. The Adamic nature doesn't see itself as wrong. Jesus wasn't wrong. But he took a feminine form, and he showed us what the bride should do and be for one another. Technically, we should have been in that garden, but he said, you're not able to, you can't. So I'll do it for me. Why can't we look at each other in marriage and go, you're not able to, you can't. And I love you so much, I'll do it for you. Because you know what submission does? It changes both people. So you think it's just going to change your husband. No, it changes you too. See, Jesus was changed. He's the same, but he he was changed. This whole process changed him. So much so that his own disciples didn't recognize him. It changed him from a lamb into a lion. It changed him from being the broken, weak one into being the one who bore all authority, given a seat and a a name higher than every other name. In fact, the Bible states that because he went so low, he was given something so high. You want elevation in heaven? You want to be high and lifted up there with Christ? Lower yourself in every scenario and circumstance here. Realize that your wife is not your wife. She's the daughter of God. Realize that your husband is not your husband. He is a precious son of the Father. And if you treat somebody's kids bad, you're going to have a bad relationship with them. See, we like to think that we can have these little discrepancies with one another, but if you treat my children horribly, you and I are not going to get along. And we think we can treat God's children horribly and then have a right relationship with Him. No. What's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second? See, he always brings everybody else into your world. Why does he do that? Because he feels like he owns it. You don't get to create a society that you are the epicenter of. Submission in its purest form is a trust that one can give the Father. To believe that the will of God can overcome a human being and be pliable in the hands of God. That you realize that you're submitting to your Father who will never allow anything to come to your life. That won't bring you into the nature of Christ. Submission becomes easier when we realize who really holds the power behind the circumstance. You know, finances are a huge thing in marriage. But it's funny to me that something so temporal can affect something so eternal. Wives, if your if your husband's asking you to submit in finances, you should probably think about doing that. You know, the old joke is, is that a, a man will spend two dollars on something he needs, but a woman will spend one dollar on something she doesn't because it's on sale. <laughs> I had a friend of mine one time, he's, he's not really a friend anymore, he really doesn't like me, but he said something funny. He said, you know, honey, we really can't afford to save any more money. Finances, you gotta, it, listen, if there's a discrepancy in the marriage and finances, my suggestion to you is go with the side that's more frugal. It's funny to me that we want to be equal in that type of thing, and women want to be equal in all this type of stuff, but then it doesn't turn around the other way because a man's out there really, most of the time, busting his rear end to bring that money in. I'm not saying women don't work because there's, there's situations, and I don't believe in separate bank accounts. I believe you should be one. I believe you should get along enough, well enough to be able to have that together, and if you can't, that's a big problem in your marriage, because if you're going to bring division in your finances, you've already brought division in your house. But if you can't submit in finances, then you're allowing something so menial and temporal to affect something so eternal. Submission of Christ was to drink the cup that was not his to drink. It was the cup of fury, the cup of wrath of God upon sinners. He came, the next verse, to his disciples and found them asleep, saying, why couldn't you watch with me for even an hour? Why couldn't you walk with me for a little bit? Why can't you go through this with me? Sound familiar? It's, it's, it's easy for us to see when someone's doing it to us, but it's hard for us to remember that Christ did it for us too. There's that blame that, that the endemic nature wants. But Christ was a human being. He said, oh, I just want you to just, can you just walk with me. Because that's what you want in those moments. Watch and pray. See, submission is the most difficult when dealing with another's sin. Especially when it's going to cost you personally. We try to sterilize submission with reality that we have a will. No, the fact that you have a will means that you can actually submit. Submit. you can choose not to why is Jesus asking them to watch and pray right here is it because their prayers are actually going to make a difference in the grand scheme of what he's about to do no 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 because when you're in the posture of submission and when you're in the posture of difficulty you're also in the same position where you're the most manipulated by the enemy and that's the time in your life where you need to be on your face before God so that way when you're dealing with somebody else's sin, you do it the right way because it's going to press on you so hard that if you're not watching and praying, you're going to be fighting and arguing. There's a reason he was on his face. And there are hardships in our times in our life where we need to submit that it's going to take us being on our face. On our face, not in their face. If, a, if an argument already gets heated, you go, you've already lost. Now, there's a difference between somebody trying to interject control or domination into your home and you have the right to stand up and say, hey, it's not happening here. I take that and go somewhere else. Right? There's, there's, that's, a, that's, that's different. Somebody comes in, you know, wants to tell me how to run my house on, on micro issues. I'm probably not going to listen to you. That's not your job. And you're going to see a side of me you're not going to like. And vice versa, right? But when it comes in the home, like in the, in the marriage, in the family, in the house, if you get that tense moment that's built already, somebody's already done the wrong thing. Somebody, somebody didn't find Jesus somewhere. And it's not going to end well because both parties are going to go back to knowledge and try to prove who's right and wrong. It takes prayer it takes watching, it takes being aware in those submissive moments, because there's so much spiritual dynamic going on. The enemy's trying to get you to walk out of it. Christ is trying to get you to walk into it, and it's a head mess. And emotions are everywhere, even in men. We might not f- respond with fear and that we, we, but we might respond with anger, and uh, just f- the fight comes out. See, the surrender of will is submission. We don't surrender the will of man, but we surrender the will of God. What was the will of God? For Jesus Christ to take upon our sin. Was Jesus submitting to man? No. He was submitting to his Father. When you're submitting, who are you really submitting to? Your Father. No act of submission will be wasted in the hands of your Father. It will not be wasted. It will be used to bring forth life. It may take a minute, but he will. He came, found them asleep again. Verse thirty-three, and, or forty-three and forty-four, their eyes were heavy. He left them and went away a third time. What do we see here in the principle? It takes submission as a process. That word, that number three, is very important, especially in Hebraic understanding. But it's also important for the nature of who we are. We have three parts to our being, and we have to continue to go back to God over and over and over again until all three parts are willing to say. I surrender. One of the reasons why Jesus is so opposed to the religious spirit is it doesn't, it doesn't submit to anybody. I have people who have never met me, listened to one, maybe two sermons, if, if that, maybe not even all the way through. And then they're out there saying, well, I just disagree with that guy. Like, I don't understand how you, like, you... If I took one sentence you said out of the entirety of everything you've ever spoken, I'd probably, like, misunderstand you, too. But you know what? Name anybody you're going to get along with. You can't get along with your spouse. And you chose them. What makes you think you're not going to get along with me? I mean, come on. Love makes us walk where disagreement can be present. Came his disciples again, verse 45. Finally, you know what he did? He comes to the place of of true acceptance. One version says, go ahead and go to sleep. Rest on. I'll carry it. You got to come to that place where that spouse in your life is not going to change, and you finally accept it, you're like, you know what? That's okay. You, You just stay who you are. I'll carry that for you. Is it right? No, it's not right. Is is what they're doing wrong? Probably. Should they be doing that? No. But who's going to bring God into the moment? And you're not going to bring God into the moment by telling them what they need to do. Because they already know. Like to, to, to assume that it's your responsibility, male or female, to tell your spouse what they need to do is to assume that the Holy Spirit doesn't do his job. Because he's already told them. They just don't want to listen they ignore it because they've already got their mind made up so jesus left them in the position so he could take his jesus left them in their position so he could take his you need to remember that many times our lack of submission shows our lack of love that we have towards those we're submitted to Jesus loved his disciples, and though he invited them into what he was doing for them, he didn't force them, and he willingly did for them what they could not do for themselves. Are you with me? The power of submission is always veiled, but on the other side of pain is praise. What makes submission possible is you know the end result. It may take a year, it may take two, it may take ten. What's it matter? As long as Christ gets his glory from that person's life, what's it matter? Are they not worth it? Are you worth it? Are you worth somebody walking with you for 10 years for? The answer would you say yes. Well, why isn't your spouse? Why why is it? Are they worth it? Are they worth it? Somebody's calling me. They should know better. That's wrong. They're going to (laughs) submit. You got to find the joy. You want to know the true power to get through submission? Find the joy that's set before you. Find the joy. Find the pearl. Acquiesce. It's hard. Each marriage is different. Overall, men have been put more in a posture of submission than women. The culture is very clear. I could read facts to you over and over and over again. If a man gets a promotion, it's sexism. If a woman gets one over a man, it's right. It's free market. It's fair. Men have been completely reduced, demoralized, devalued, and they are the butt of the joke. And I think it's funny that in such a feminine based society, if we are that bad, why do y'all still want us? Because you're still looking. And if you weren't you married, you you were looking and you found one. Because there's something inside of you that says, I need to be with somebody. God put it there. You just want them to be the way you want them. God wants them the way he wants them. And let me say you this, guys. Let me say this, ladies. When a man finally comes to his full understanding of who he is in Christ and starts walking that way, he probably isn't going to fulfill you the way you think. Man, when your wife finally becomes the woman of God he wants her to be, she's probably not going to be what, you, what you're thinking. Amen. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm a man of God. And you can evaluate my home all you want. I'm not perfect. I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not everything my wife wants me to be. Maybe one day I will be. But as we come into the fullness of Christ, we end up being what he wants us to be. And sometimes it takes imperfection to get us where we need to be. And if you're hammering on the imperfection on either side of the spouse, then you're ruining the thing that's going to make them into what Christ can make them to be. Have you noticed, as we've been going verse by verse through Ephesians, how Paul has excessively, over and over and over again, talked about getting along with one another? Giving grace for one another. Loving one another, being patient, kind hearted, tenderly forgiving one another. Why? Because there's a lot of unforgiveness. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of things that need to be forgiven. What we want is a church that creates an environment that's so perfect that nobody has to forgive anybody. And we chuckle at that, but that's what we expect. not going to happen. You take your idea of what you think perfect marriage is and throw it in the trash and let God paint his own canvas. And let him use you to do it. And when you, I, we, us, male, female, come into something we disagree with and we have to carry something that somebody has put on us, we should do so in the posture and the nature of our Lord. Because the goal isn't to figure out who's right and wrong. The goal is who can give glory to God through what is right and wrong. That's the goal. Who can bring glory to Father? Amen. You're going to go through your own Gethsemane. The temptation is to make it about your pain instead of to make it about the will of your Father. No one's immune to pain. You're not going to go through Gethsemane without feeling it. Don't think that. Don't think that the li- don't the enemy lie to you that because you're feeling all this pain that you're wrong. No, no it's, it's Jesus felt it, but so many people make it about their pain instead of about the Father's will. Are you with me? Is this helping you? If you're mad at me now, you can forgive me. Please stand. I'm encouraging you to guard your heart against things that would make you think that you don't have to obey the word of God. Because your circumstance is different, or you heard the Lord, or or whatever. Guard your heart. Because the question then becomes, how much of a Christian can you still be and disobey the word of God? Or how much of the word of God can you disobey and still be a Christian? I don't know. Jesus said, if you love me, just do what I'm asking you to do. Because there's always a way out that the enemy's going to twist scripture with and tell you that you don't have to submit because of dot, 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 dot. Again, I'm not saying you submit to abuse. If a husband's beating a wife, he needs to be beat. And i got a few guys I can grab to help you with that. I can't do it because I'll be on the front front page of the paper. But i got some guys I can help you with. You don't don't submit to abuse, but you submit to the Lord. You submit to authority that's trying. You with me? Ladies, if your husband's serving God and he's not perfect and he's trying, show us how to be like the bride. Show us how to be like Jesus. Use the power of submission to disarm all the things that are in your husband that are wrong. Husbands, when your wife is being absolutely just difficult, Where you don't even want to come home from work. Submit. Show her the love of Christ. Because it's a two-way street. And we need each other. Father, we thank you. You alone are worthy and only you can bring unity. It's not possible without you. It's impossible without you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to move. Not upon the opinions that are already present, but upon the hearts that are willing. And you begin to posture us in a place where we can see things as they are. And give us strength to be able to do it. Gives strength to the ones who can stand up and say, I'll carry that burden. I'm not going to like it, but I'll carry it. Lord, I, I love you and I need you. I, ha- I have to have more of you. But I also have to take care of what you've given me. And I, I need you to do that. And I, I pray that every wife and every husband prays that with me. That they would take care of their house. We need you, Father. And I pray a blessing over them to be able to do so. May they receive it and may they release it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you're welcome to stay with us. If you need to go, you can. Uh, We have food back there. The ladies will let us know when it's ready. Uh, But fellowship with us if you can.